Welcome to the Emerald City Hockey Podcast. Join RJ and Dylan as they discuss each week's Seattle Kraken news and top stories from around the league. RJ, we live in an NHL society. Just I don't know. There's something there, I'm sure. Uh, my gosh. After all the talk we had on the last Patreon podcast, as all the COVID news was you know, breaking around the league, multiple teams, you know, seasons were being put on hold, positive tests all over the place, 100 NHL players put on COVID lists. Um, you know, we, we had lots of ideas about what the NHL could or probably should be doing to deal with all this. And, uh, you know, as per usual, the NHL, uh, not, not, not interested in our ideas. Nope. Uh, maybe one day, but, uh, that day is not today. Um, the NHL came out with a, uh, a statement, uh, kind of announcing their plans going forward on the COVID front, um, kind of three parts to it. I guess the first is, you know, they're going to continue to play the regular season schedule, um, you know, although there's been this increase in test results, you got over 100 players in COVID protocol. Um, they've kind of determined that it's just on a team by team basis. You know, they're going to treat it as kind of these isolated incidents, um, and you know they don't feel that the the medical health of of the players is too threatened. Um, but due to concerns about cross border travel, essentially the border has been closed. You know, between USA and Canada for NHL purposes. You know, all games that involve that border travel, you know, between American Canadian teams uh, have been postponed, you know, through the holiday break. So that includes, you know, a number of games over the next four days. Um, so the NHL is going to do that. Um, and also, you know, regarding the Olympics, uh, you know, as we did predict, you know, the, with all this disruption, and everything, it just the NHL says that no decision has been made yet, but uh they're going to announce a final determination in the coming days. And just about everyone, you know, who's most in the know seems to think that that just means NHL players are not participating <laughs> in the Olympics. We've got to agree, but that's was the news from the NHL today. Yeah. I don't know what's going to come out of that, but uh, I mean, we, we basically do. Um, you know what this NHL statement reminds me of RJ? What movie monsters Inc. And specifically, this sounds like a statement put out by the head of, you know, Monsters Incorporated, Henry J. Waternoose. I believe he's the third, <laughs> uh, if I'm remembering the movie correctly. Um, and, you know, at one point after him and Randall, have, you know, kidnapped the child and they're going to basically like harvest booze screams forever and all that stuff. And Sully confronts them is the quote of. I'd kidnap a thousand children before I'd let this company die. And that's, <laughs> I feel like that, that fits. That's basically what the NHL is saying here. We'll let a hundred players get COVID. We'll shut down, you know, half dozen teams. No problem. We'll close the border. We'll essentially recreate the North division from last year. Um, but, uh, we'll no, kidnap we, a thousand children. If we need to, <laughs> they need to, um, replacement players, uh, just so that we don't, you know, just do the obvious common sense thing and just, you know, can't, you know, postpone like two additional games per team. Those teams that are still playing like 
right it's yeah. it's you're not even like having to postpone like a whole two week schedule or anything like we had suggested before where you could just copy and paste this part of the schedule into the olympic break like like with the kraken you're, you're it's one game now just postpone yeah. the arizona game like why it, it makes no sense what they're doing they're they are so desperate. All I can think of is that the ownership in the NHL is so desperate for the revenues and they are so afraid of any sort of shutdown or anything hurting their pocketbooks again like the previous two seasons that they they basically gave the league the you know the the idea or the memo of we are not accepting any more shutdowns or postponements unless absolutely necessary. And, and that's just the end of it. Regardless of how ridiculous it's going to make it, no matter how bad some teams are going to get screwed travel-wise and condensed schedules later on, we just don't want to have to deal with it. As long as it affects the 31 other clubs and not mine, that's the way we're going to handle this. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what they've come out and said. I, I checked. It would be 15 additional games league-wide. <laughs> that's <know>. it! <laughs> 15 league-wide uh, You know, over the course of, what, the five days? Um, yeah, you know, about three games a day, yeah. um, and, and which is, I believe, less than what they've already postponed. So it's mm -hmm. you know not like they're they're holding a hard line on just keeping them all going. Um, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I mean, they, they I suppose still do reserve you know the right and the ability to continue to postpone ones as as cases come up. But and I'm uh, sure it's they gonna will, make it, and I'm sure they will. But it's going to make them really awkward. It's going to make it very, very awkward. And one of the teams that potentially could have their one game left postponed is the Kraken after Carson Soucy tested positive this morning. Yep. He becomes the fifth Kraken player now in COVID protocol, um, you know, second in the last two days, you know, which is also notable shows that maybe there's some active spread going on. Mm -hmm. uh, Jamie Alexiak did not come out for warmups uh, before uh, yesterday well i guess two days ago if you're when you're listening to this yeah. that game against the oilers um and you know that was unexpected of course minutes later you get the announcement he's in covid protocol and then this morning sunday morning carson Susi in covid protocol so that makes five and an assistant coach although you know i guess blackwell and gord should be eligible to come out soon we don't know how they're mm -hmm. feeling how they're doing what, what the issue is um but uh, yeah, it's certainly at the point where it's starting to be a bit of a competitive disadvantage. And, and only, you know, it, it only wouldn't be that case if the other team has, you know, similar yeah. COVID cases, which, you know, the Oilers did. Mm -hmm. uh, the Coyotes do have some they're dealing with. So um, one thing that's interesting, though, and I, I've got to look at the wording on it from the from the NHL about. Um, let's see. Uh, something about like competitiveness that they're going to look um, what they're going to judge the rosters and, and deal well, here, with the NHL fair. here, the NHL and NHLPA along with their medical experts will be monitoring not only the number and pattern of positive COVID results, but also the depth of club lineups. So as to ensure both the health and safety of the players and the integrity of league competition. So that tells me that they're also looking at this from an angle of, okay, you know, when is a team so depleted that it affects the integrity of the competition? But how do you judge that from a league standpoint? And, you know, that, that gives you all sorts of, you know, competitive issues, yeah. you know, conflicts of interest, whatnot. In, unless, um, unless you set kind of like a hard cap number on how many AHL level players they're going to have to call up and put in an active lineup. And you just, regardless of player skill, if it's, you know, over three 
uh, it's too many kind of thing. Right. But otherwise, yeah, that's kind of sketchy. And then it's it's also just like, you know, just, just, why do you even need to create? Like, they're causing so many more problems for themselves than just postponing these games. <laughs> You're right. going to create this whole day, system it's... about that. Like, it's insane. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, they're not saving themselves any any work or effort or anything. This is going to get more complicated than it even is now. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see everything that comes of it. Yeah, I guess that's that also could just be them acknowledging that, you know, let's say you have five or six players go on. You've got to call up three or four guys from the AHL. What if they're not all like, you know, you got to deal with now trying to clear four guys off waivers to send them all back down, even though they were essentially emergency call ups. You know what I mean? Like it could create a lot of problems that I could see GMs being very upset if they're going to have to, you know, 10 days later, have to wave a bunch of guys and potentially lose them. Right. And that's that's something that nobody wants. And it's just completely against Mm -hmm. the spirit of, you know, what's going on. And I do wonder if maybe taxi squads are coming back. I was kind of surprised they got rid of him for this year, to be honest. It yeah, I, will, I mean, things looked so much better at the start of this season. I, you know, even though you did have some kind of COVID outbreaks across the league, it didn't seem like it was going to be this widespread a thing. Um, and I think there was just a lot of optimism going <laughs> into it. Um, but here we are. You mean they were thinking about the money, RJ? Um, yeah. yeah, no, here we are. Uh, and here we are at the end of another week of Kraken games. Right. Uh, so three games since the last podcast. We'll jump all the way back to December 14th to talk about the, the one crack and win of the week against yeah. the San Jose Sharks. And well, it seems like a long time ago, RJ. I mean, it was a really good game and it was a really good crack and effort. It was and it was a total 60 minute effort, something we mm-hmm. haven't seen from the team a whole lot. Um You know, they were back checking. That was that was the thing that stood out to me the most. Um And they you know, they just looked like they had a lot more energy and a lot more talent than that Sharks team. And it's a Sharks team that will outwork you. They played Mm -hmm. according to their structure. They, you know, didn't come out and play a soft game, but the Kraken, you know, just kind of outworked them and outskilled them. Yeah, they did. And not to be lost in any of it, Chris Drieger coming in, looking healthy, looking fantastic, uh, made a lot of saves, made 31 of them. Um, Maybe making life a little difficult for himself at the end, going for the empty net on on your advice. Clearly, you know, during one of My the TV fault. timeouts, tuned into the uh, live game commentary we had with our uh, wonderful Patreon supporters, and uh, heard you talking about how he needed to be taking a shot at the empty net. I I love goalie goals. Rick, I you know. always want to see a goalie goal. And keep in mind, they were up two goals when I suggested it. Mm-hmm. Not just not the go one. go for it. Up one. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, maybe not. Maybe not the best idea. He hesitated, too. That's the problem. You've got to yeah. commit you, you, right you, away. You go for you it. Shoot it or not. You go for it for sure. But yeah, Drieger, fantastic effort from him. As you said, total team victory. Everybody seemed on it. Goal scoring still a problem, especially mm-hmm. for, you know, the big names on this team. Eberle, Schwartz, it's it is getting very noticeable. Um, yep, and, and that game and really game, started. Yeah, exactly. This game was like kind of the start of that, and it's it was getting rough. Um, but otherwise, depth 
coming through for the Kraken. That's, you know, what we thought this team was going to be based off of. We thought this was really the kind of game that I thought we were going to see from the Kraken a lot this year, where it was just their depth was going to overwhelm you, play some pretty solid defense, and uh, have a, you know, a good goaltender come up with some saves. Yep, that looked like the blueprint, you know, that we were thinking when we were going back and saying the Kraken looked like, you know, maybe a 90 plus point team. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's kind of how they were supposed to get there. Yeah, and uh, little did we know that it was just going to be this, you know, once in a while kind of occasion. Um, yeah, I mean, nothing. There, there actually isn't too much to talk about with the Sharks game. Everything went really well, but you know, no, no power play opportunities. Like it was just kind of other than how fast the game went. We talked about yeah. it at the time. It was like everybody was speed running that game. Took thirty real time minutes to get through the twenty minutes of the first period. Never seen that before. Yeah, what was it? You know, 12, 13 minutes without a stoppage. I mean, it was a um, lot. It was it was wild. Uh, but yeah, not nothing too crazy there. So then we go to the next night, the you know Anaheim Ducks game. I was there in the arena uh, at Honda Center. Super excited to see the Kraken away from Climate Pledge. See him on the road. White jerseys look amazing. Totally awesome. Um, you know, wish we could have just stayed in the you know me watching them in warmups and everything is cool and the game hasn't started yet and <laughs> there's still hope kind of phase because uh this was a brutal game RJ <laughs> oh yeah it sure was um i mean when gosh i don't even totally know where to start with this one kraken didn't look ready to play they looked like they had played the previous night but you know it's the nhl you got back to back nights on your schedule i don't know that i've ever seen a team so kind of unprepared to play uh, after yeah. a back-to-back as the crack had looked. Yeah, we had someone on Twitter point out that it, it looked like they were you know, skating in mud, mm-hmm. and that's that really describes it well. They just looked all around slower than the Ducks did and, and sloppy as well, and um, you know, you just can't get away with a start like that. It feels like we've heard that so many times from yeah, no. Axtell, from the players, just saying you can't afford to start like that, and they paid for it. Um, you know, Alexiak pinches you know, along the boards early, two-on-one, can takes out his goal, you know, kind of takes out his own goalie. It's a tough play. And then that second goal, we have to talk about that. I mean, that was just a killer. Shorthanded, two on one, but mm-hmm. it was defended fine. Mm-hmm. Grubauer, you know, faces a shot from right around the faceoff dot. Yeah. Totally clean, totally clean sight line and is way off his angle, gets beat five hole. And at that point, I think everyone's kind of on the, you know, well, here we go again, train. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there we went again. Yeah, no, and it very much felt like that in the arena because there was a lot of Kraken fans there and you could just tell like that was just all of us were just like, oh, God, it's it's this game like we've seen mm-hmm. it. We know what's going to happen. Um, you know, how are we going to get through this together? Because um, it was it was an unacceptable goal to give up. It was kind of an unacceptable everything for the Kraken in that whole sequence of events uh again any time a shorthanded goal is scored it means you know the team has done something wrong but uh it it was just it was really brutal being in attendance for that one for much of the game really it was it was hard um thankfully you know I I, I give the Ducks games a lot of credit I love going to Honda Center love the relaxed nature Love the fact that the fans are super nice to visiting teams. Could have been so much worse to be in yeah. the building in Kraken stuff. Uh, the Ducks fans could have really been giving it to us. They did not. Um, 
they stay classy and relaxed as always because it's Orange County and that's just the way people roll down there. Um, and the you know building's only ever half full anyway. So <laughs> that helps. <laughs> yeah, that helps too. Um, yeah, Grubauer was rough in this one and then gets hurt. And, mm-hmm. you know, we see him get run into and the contact and everything, but he seemed fine. And I was watching him. It happened right in front of me, so to speak, uh, you know, down at the end that I was watching and he seemed totally fine. And then I noticed after during the next, you know, sequence of play, there was a there was a moment where he had to quickly push off and, and extend his leg across to the uh, from one goalpost to the other. And when he got up from that, he was obviously in pain and discomfort. And so that's what kind of clued me into the idea of it being maybe lower body or something. Um, it didn't necessarily seem like that from before. Um, but he was he was obviously in pain, discomfort, and it took him a while to get out of it. So I was not surprised when we saw him then leave the game uh, mm-hmm. after that. But uh, not really any updates, right? Like... Well, I mean, he's back. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's not on IR, but I don't know how solid he is. And you know how closely guarded these things are, Uh right? Um, And that's one of the advantages also of going to games, which is really cool, is, Mm -hmm. you know, the TV camera wasn't on Grubauer that whole time. But if you want, you can kind of focus in on him once you Mm -hmm. realize that something is up, uh, you know, which is interesting. I even, I think, texted you to ask, like, Mm -hmm. is he on the bench? You know, Mm -hmm. after after Drieger came out to start the third, and you were updating me on that. But as far as updates on Grubauer... The Kraken uh, did have practice. Was it? No, it was, it was not the next day. It was the day after. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Kraken did have practice. And um, Grubauer was the first one on the ice. Uh, so he was there. Um, and, you know, he did the full practice. Joey Decord remained in Charlotte. Um, and I will say Grubauer didn't look 100% in practice, maybe. Yeah, and, and maybe that's just not wanting to push it, you know, exert himself mm-hmm. too much. And it, you can understand that. Uh, but yeah, but he was there, participated in everything. You know, he didn't he didn't take any drills off. But um, yeah, it's just it's hard to say. He said he would be available this weekend, you know, for games. Of course, you know, Drieger was probably going to get that first start against Edmonton anyway, given how mm-hmm. the goalies were playing. I would imagine Grubauer would have been in line to play against Toronto, but we don't know because the game has been mm-hmm. postponed. So um either way he's got an extra couple days and you know at least on the surface they're saying he's available he's good to go right and i think that's it's the word available that's cluing me in because we've heard that from this team before that is their word of choice yes and and in the past it hasn't really meant like oh yeah they're good to go right i mean you know we were told heck drieger was not just available but he played games yeah. When his knee and and then you know two weeks later we hear Haxel say, "Well, yeah, now we feel like he's fully healthy for the first time." Yeah. So I, based on how like the movement he made when he looked hurt to me, mm-hmm. that is not something that is just going to go away because that tells me it's something like groin or hamstring, quad. Like it's it's a muscle injury. Mm-hmm. and it's though it's not like a ligament thing or anything so muscle injuries if you tweak them they're not easy to get rid of at that point so sure um and for what it's worth grubauer did kind of play it off like because he did he mm-hmm. did speak to the afterwards at that practice and uh he's just like i think it was nothing crazy just awkward but mm-hmm. <laughs> that's still still never 
good to be dealing with. No, and when you're dealing with professional athletes and the stress they're putting on their bodies and the strength that they have that they're putting into the stress they're putting on their bodies, that's how you see so many, certainly soft tissue injuries throughout all of sports, right? right? A normal person is not going to tear their ACL by planting their leg and trying to, you know, make a lateral cut. But a professional athlete will because they're that much stronger than we are. And at the end of the day is you can strength train everything, but you're not going to, you're not going to strength train ligaments. Like you can't, you can't, you, you can't, you can't strength train. You, you can make your muscles bigger and stronger in theory, but like at the end of the day, they are still soft tissue. Like that doesn't go away. Um, and so it just kind of increases the stress and everything. And so in those hyper reaction moments from a goaltender where you're making that really big, aggressive, explosive push, things can go wrong and and um regardless of what it is for based on how uncomfortable he was like i'm telling you it w- it took a good 30 seconds before he looked normal like he was bent over not okay stood up but his shoulders were way up like he was clenching like he was really trying to fight through pain and mm-hmm. to see somebody you know like that for how long that he was like that and then to not start come out for the third period uh, after the you know other goalie played the night before, like that's you know what I mean. Like that's why I think there's really something there, and uh, I understand he's available. But yeah, I'd be surprised if we see him. Uh, you know, it, certainly or against Christmas, Arizona. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. So otherwise, for the Ducks game, oh my gosh, RJ, when will the Kraken start back checking? When when are the forwards going to do this? I, I don't know. I mean, it, you've seen isolated incidents. You've seen kind of mm-hmm. spurts of it at times. But yeah. as far as a consistent back check, and, you know, I will say that's one of those the toughest things to kind of establish throughout a team. It takes a lot of effort all the time. It's not glamorous. Mm-hmm. It's not fun. But it wins you hockey games. Mm-hmm. You, know, you kind of need that buy-in. And, like, that's so much also of, of you know, a coach's message sinking in mm-hmm. is getting players to do those things that are not particularly fun to do, but will win you games. Yeah. Um, and it, it clearly just hasn't sunk in yet. No. And I know this is, you know, Yanni Gord being out is huge here because yes. he's one of those guys, tons of energy, high motor, you know, in, it almost seems like he enjoys it. I don't know that anybody can totally enjoy back checking as a forward. I'm just being honest, but Seems like he enjoys it. He has a good time. He's smart about it. Um, certainly the good players can be smart about it, you know, kind of limit how much energy they're really putting into it so that mm-hmm. they still have something left in the tank to go the other way. Um, Gord being out greatly, greatly hinders, you know, the Kraken's overall ability to back check. But I am just getting so tired of watching the slot just go completely unguarded, having one of the defensemen have to go to the corner behind the net. And now all of a sudden there's just this big empty space, you know, both defensemen are busy doing something and other teams can just kind of slide right in there and just be available. I I don't know. It's, um, it's something that's got to stop. And I'm, I'm surprised given some of the other guys on the Kraken, this is something that Cali Yarncroak has done in the past. Like, yes. Like, I know we talked about before, right? The slot, generally, it's the center's responsibility, all that kind of stuff. But you could work out a defensive system where the winger covers it in your own zone. The winger and the center kind of shift spots and stuff. Like, it's doable. And it looks like something that the Kraken have have even done sometimes Mm -hmm. because a lot of the time the center won't be the lowest guy in your your own zone. So it's clearly not, you know, this alien concept to them. Um, They just, you know, haven't kind of been able to put it together where the right guy knows where he needs to be. 
Right. They just need to establish something and practice it and, you know, build it into how they are playing. Uh, they really don't seem to want to be doing that. And it's it's frustrating to me. And I, I think that made a huge difference in this Ducks game. And I, you know, I'll give them a little bit of a pass on that, given that they had played the night before and everything that goes into that. Um, but still, it's just one of those things that it's it's getting you know, I'm getting tired of seeing it kind of night in, night out uh, from them. And I, and I do want to throw one thing in on the positive side, just a, a quick shout out to Jaden Schwartz, because we talk about Yanni Gordon, another guy, you know, guy who loves back checking. Jaden Schwartz has been one guy I've consistently seen back checking, applying backside pressure there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Just want to give a quick shout out to him because yeah, I've, no. I've noticed a few times the last few games. No, he has. Um, we saw it a little bit in the Edmonton game, which we'll get to in a sec from like Wenberg, especially on McDavid. Yep. It seemed like that was his assignment. Um, and yeah, we've seen it from some other guys. Uh, Donskoy, of course, always is there. Yep. Uh, you could see that. Uh, Tanev, of course, always back checking and stuff. Um, in the Schwartz one, maybe you could argue that's partly why his offense has been suffering. Maybe he's focusing a little mm-hmm. too much on back checking. But, uh, you know, the Kraken as a whole kind of seem stuck in their own zone more often than not these days so yep. it's a little understandable there uh anything else for the ducks game no i i think that about covers it i mean it's just you can't it felt like we've seen you know we've seen it so many times we've discussed it so many times mm-hmm. you know it's one of those games yep uh so <laughs> talk about talk about stuff to discuss okay the game against edmonton <laughs> i don't even entirely know where to start um, I, I know we're, you know, we talked about where we're going to end this conversation, so we'll, we'll hold off on, on that. Uh, but I mean, I guess the easiest place to start is they were outshot 41, 17. Yeah. I mean, that it's not, you know, that doesn't always tell a lot of the story, but in this game it, it does. And, um, you know, score effects are, are something that's, you know, talked about sometimes where, you know, a team takes the lead. And uh, the other team has to shoot a lot, you know, trying to get back into the game. And so the shots can kind of look lopsided there. Um, you know, team goes out for nothing lead. Uh-huh. The, you know, the other team's going to probably outshoot them over the course of the game because that's how it goes. Now, the Kraken took an early two nothing lead in this game. And it felt like the score effects kicked in where the Oilers just kept getting a whole bunch of shots. But they never went away, even after the Oilers mm-hmm. tied the game, took the lead, what have you. I mean, just the shots were, were being poured on, um, and including, I think it was, what, 21 shots in, in, the, the, first, in the first yeah. period? Yeah, you're not going to win. You're not going to win many games doing that. No, and, you know, Drieger, again, looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some issues there. We'll get to that in a second. That's the thing that surprised me the most was, as you kind of said, Kraken scored first. Scored two first. They were up two nothing, and then they let this happen. Like this was like what they've been waiting for all year to have an early right. lead. Like every game you've ever played has been playing as though you had early leads, even though very often <laughs> you did not. And and then you just decide to go away from that in this game. I I don't understand it. Um, they they just decided to you know not be aggressive offensively, not really be aggressive defensively either. Um, they, they did what they had to, to take away McDavid and try to limit him as best as possible. And I give them all the credit in the world for that. Cause they really did. He still ended up with two points, but he's Connor McDavid. So, you know, could have been way, One way worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and you know we talked about Wenberg was was on him a lot of the night certainly through the first period where I felt like McDavid was least noticeable uh mm-hmm. Wenberg was playing basically man coverage on him through most of that and uh not quite sure why that stopped as the game went on though uh but it was just I, I just don't get it. it was, this was the fast start we've been waiting for for the Kraken for so, so long. And it was just like, all right, we, we created some momentum. And then they just turned around and handed it to the Oilers on a silver platter. Like, here's yeah. this momentum we made. You can have it. Yeah. <laughs> it felt to me like, you know, oh, good. We avoided that, you know, going down early start that we always had. In fact, we have the lead. You know, there we go. We're not going to play the same game we always did. Look at that. You know, it, we're going to win. And just kind of left it at that. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they didn't, you know, really follow up on doing the same things that they had been doing. They acted like they had won the game in the first 10 minutes. Um, and that was all they needed to do. And just the sloppiness too. I mean, they, they stopped taking care of their passes. You know, that was the thing that really stood out to me and, and bothered me the most, even when it was still two nothing before mm-hmm. the Oilers had kind of made them pay for it. You could see it coming because just a few of their passes out of their own zone would be tape to tape right to an Oilers player to come <laughs> into the zone. They got away with it the first couple times, but eventually the Oilers, they're a skilled team. They're going to make you pay for doing that. And ultimately they did. Yeah. And, you know, I guess it does beg the question of, was the hot start kind of the result of them playing overly aggressive, a little bit fast and loose, and it worked at first and then obviously comes back to bite you at the end. I mean, I could see somebody saying that, but I'm not sure I would say that about this game. No, I don't think that applies in this case. I think that the Kraken, you know, applied, you know, kind of the right amount of pressure. And I mean, one of the things I tweeted after it was two nothing was, you know, it's nice to be on the see the Kraken on the right end mm-hmm. of defensive breakdowns and soft goals, because that's where the two goals came from. Mm-hmm. You look at the Ryan Donato goal. He just kind of threw the puck at the net from, yeah. you know, not really the, the most advantageous spot. And Skinner flubbed it. You know, he, mm-hmm. he just let in a soft goal, as we've seen Kraken goalies do so much this season. Um, and then that second goal, you know, uh, Everly sets up behind the net. Both Oilers defensemen kind of go in trying to mm-hmm. rush him, leaving Jared McCann, of all people, wide open in the slot, completely, you know, undisturbed. And, you know, it's an easy tap and goal. It's a great pass by Everly because that's yeah. tough to get it to him when you have two guys on you. Uh-huh. But once the puck gets there, there's nothing Skinner can do. So it's the kind of things we've seen done to the Kraken a lot this season. And uh, it was nice to see them on the right side of it. But then... <laughs> You know, then it, it just flipped where the Kraken were kind of getting into those bad habits again, and the Oilers were tightening up. Yeah, and I don't know. It's just two goal leads, RJ. It's the worst lead in hockey. For yeah, for this reason, I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's unless, unless the Kraken opponent has it, then <laughs> yeah, then then it's, then it's fine. Um, I will say this: despite the scoring chances, despite how much of the game wins, I'm impressed with the Kraken's ability to stay in it as much as they did and to mm-hmm. go ahead and pick up a third goal um, because there was, you know, as a whole, it was just kind of like this game is just out of hand. It's unattainable. And the Kraken did, you know, as they have done many times, stayed in there. They they tried to fight through it, weren't quite able to. But, you know, they kept the game close until the end in a game yeah. that they were outplayed in. And there's yeah, something there to be was... said for that. There was a lot of sloppiness, but there was no quit in them. Mm-hmm. And so that was at least a good sign. Yeah, good way of putting it. Um, so I guess now we'll go into some of the other 
aspects about this that are so rough that I kind of wanted to highlight. Uh, most, m- basically all around, um, the hit count for this game, Kraken were out, hit 29 to 16. Now, usually I'm not someone to look at a metric like hits and be like, oh, you lost that battle. You That's why you lost a game. Like, cause I usually think, it just means you have the puck. Yeah, because usually it means you have the puck and, and things are, you know, going okay for you. Uh, maybe you're, you know, fast like Connor McDavid. Doesn't get hit a lot because nobody can touch him. Um, it's okay. Uh, but in this one, I, I'm using it to highlight the fact that other people pointed this out in the postgame live. And it's something I noticed, especially being there in person for that Anaheim game a couple nights before. The Kraken are not a physical team. And it makes no sense to me why they're not a physical team because they have all the size that you could ever want, certainly on the blue line. And I know like Alexiak was out for this one, but how many times this year have I called out Alexiak for not using his size, right? Like, I don't understand why the Kraken seem so afraid to get physical. And by physical, I don't just mean laying out hits or getting into fights, doing anything that Jeremy Lauzon's doing. I'm talking about just use your body to gain position, push guys out of the way, don't let them outmuscle you on, you know, in route to your net where they're going to make a play. Like these are things that you cannot let happen when you have the size advantage. You should be using that size advantage to keep guys away from your net, keep guys wherever you want them to be, to be able to drive to the net on offense. Um, you know what I mean? Like I, I just don't understand why that's not there for this Kraken team, considering night in, night out. They have the size advantage. They do, and they were built that way. It, you know, it's one of those puzzling things where we looked at before the season. You know, how is this team going to play? What do we expect them to do? And that was going to be one of the hallmarks. You look at the blue line, and it's big, it's strong, mm-hmm. uh, and they're just not using that size consistently. And especially on defense where it's so valuable and not, again, like you said, not just to make big checks because a lot of times that takes you out of position, mm-hmm. but you know to use it to gain leverage, especially in front of the net and in the corners. And it just doesn't seem to be this eagerness to do that. Um, and I don't even think a lot of push necessarily from the coaching staff mm-hmm. to kind of try and encourage them to do that. It doesn't seem like that's something that's really being preached to them. Uh, that they need to to change or to do better and it, it is puzzling yeah and it's it is it's all about positioning it's about boxing out the other team whether it's on offense or defense either way you're just trying to kind of box them out and do what you want to do rather than trying to be playing catch up to what they're trying to do and yes i think bringing up the corners is especially key how many times this year have we watched the you know the opposing team puck goes into the corner in the Kraken zone zone, Kraken defenseman goes, battles with the opposing team's forward, opposing team ends up with the puck. It's happened it, it, multiple times every game. And it, and it's and it's always guys that, you know, are massive. Carson Soucy, Jeremy Lazon's not small, Jamie Alexiak. Like, you see the battle going on in the corner, and the Kraken per- player is literally towering over the opposing, you know, team, and it's just not happening. And... At some point, that's just got to stop. Like, like you gotta, you gotta get physical. You have to learn how to use your body. Maybe it's just these guys never learned how to do it. I can't imagine that's the case, but maybe it is. But you know, it's it's pretty simple. Bend your knees, get a little low, lean into the guy. Like, there's there's not too much that goes into it. Um, 
there's, you know, certainly if the puck is around in any sort of situation in the corner and really in front of the net, refs aren't going to call anything. You don't got to worry about taking any sort of penalty, just using your size and staking claim to, you know, a spot. Like it's your spot. You got just as much right to be there. Um, I don't know. The way the games are officiated, you're going to be given the benefit of the doubt on that more often than not, certainly in the defensive zone. Yeah. Like you can just do it. Every other team is doing it. They're doing it to the Kraken night in, night out. I don't, I, I just don't understand it. Um, that along with the back checking problem is getting frustrating for me. I don't know. I, I think it's easy to point towards scoring and the lack of scoring for the Kraken, but I, I'm starting to think, I'm starting to realize that these other things are really what's I think driving uh, a large part of the problems that they're having this year and a large part of why they haven't been as successful. And uh, yeah, it's hard. I, it's hard not to just want to dump it entirely on the coaching staff for not getting them motivated or teaching them uh, like we you know have been doing about other things. Um, and it's, it's hard not to also, when talking about it, call out the players and their kind of fight and their, you know, how bad do you want it kind of thing. We've seen them, as we just talked about before, they never give up in games. They have plenty of tenacity. They don't, you know, they don't quit. But at the same time, there are things that you have to do to win games that require effort and it's not fun and it's not easy and it, you know, wears you down over the course of a season, but it's it's just what it takes at the end of yeah, the day. And I, I think it's just the difference between, you know, kind of giving effort and, and having no quit, which we've seen again, plenty mm-hmm. of you know, there's no quit in this team. There's a lot of effort. Um, but it, it's more a matter of just, you know, having a team identity and, and being proud of it and, and wanting to stick to that night in night out and like the whole identity thing like i hear that so often in the, mm-hmm. the media the press conferences like it, it can just kind of ring hollow and it really does after a while um but you know it's one thing to talk about it because everyone talks about it mm-hmm. it's another thing to actually do it and to mm-hmm. you know to take pride in the way that you play and wanting to have an identity as being tough to play against yeah you know may, it might not be the most skilled team you know, which the Kraken, you know, certainly aren't. They might not be, you know, I don't know. They, you might not have other advantages that other teams do as far as superstars or guys that are just going to take over a game. But one thing that every team can do is be tough to play against every single night. Um, and I, I just don't see kind of this central focus on that, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's doing those not fun things. It's just a, you have to kind of get back to taking pride and be difficult to play against. And I just don't see enough of that. Yeah, I agree with that. So, um, and and I think you know the the Edmonton game kind of personified that perfectly in a lot of ways. Yep. I, and I know it's you know it's certainly one of those games where the final score does not tell you everything um, uh, about it. Um, I will. I'm going to spring this on you last minute before we get into the fun stuff. And I know we we didn't talk about this beforehand, RJ, but I do have to mention it up just because of who it is and that is uh you know you had sent me this about the seattle kraken forwards learning new approaches to the face-offs from nhl veteran and portland native paul gostad to help gain all important possession of the puck and uh i bring this up only because one we regularly make jokes about paul gostad going for a first round pick at a trade deadline which is absolutely insane go look up paul gostad's career numbers and you know everything and he was traded because he wins face-offs essentially for a first rounder it's still one of the all-time kind of wacky deadline decisions um but i bring it up just because paul gostad uh was the was the player that was discovered uh by 
the assistant GM that I worked under in Portland. Um, and, and, you know, Paul Gostad was like the guy that kind of, you know, launched his career and made him and all that stuff. So I, I've always had this like weird connection with Paul Gostad through this other guy. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it was just funny. So the, the assistant GM I worked with in Portland was always talking about Paul, Paul Gostad because that was what got, what got him going. And uh, so. Hey, I mean, fun. when you find a Paul Gostad, like you, you can't let any you can't ever let anyone hear the end of it. Like, you know, you've no. got to keep leaning on that. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, players like that, he was a special player, mm-hmm. maybe not worth the first round pick. But as far as, you know, what he was able to do in that role, he was a special player. Yeah, I mean, obviously, best at what you do if if you're being traded for that much for essentially one specific skill. Yeah. And you've seen very the, good at the results with the Kraken, too. Yes. Their faceoffs have gotten a lot better. And, you know, I was kind of wondering what, you know, what was causing all that. And of course, it's Paul Gostad. Of course. Of course, it's Paul Gostad. Uh, happy for him to, to be doing this, happy that the Kraken brought him in, talking about this. So uh, just just wanted to mention it and bring it up just because it's it's fun to talk to Paul Gostad. Um, all right, so now we can transition into the fun stuff, RJ, for the rest of this podcast. This was actually a great idea that you you know had uh, beforehand, which is like a Kraken Christmas list kind of thing. Yep, we're going to kind of go player by player and see what each Kraken player, you know, has on their Christmas wish list something they could really use. What are you going to ask Santa for? Yeah. So, how do you want to do this, RJ? Do you want to just you want you want me to read read out the roster? You want to read out the roster? What what works best for you? Let's see. I, let's have you read out the roster here. All I've got right. all the names here, but it's all from cap friendly and it's all way out of order. But uh, yeah, let's let's go. I was have gonna you read say. Let me make sure that the roster is okay with all the COVID yeah. stuff on the this. The, all right, here we I go. Know, right. All right. Want to make sure we got everyone. It looks like we got everybody. All right. No one should be on the naughty list for just being a COVID <laughs> protocol. Exactly. That would not be fair. Exactly. Net out like usual. Let's do it. All right. Philip Grubauer. First thing that comes to mind. What does he need? A vacation. I mean, he's on pace to start 60 games. We just talked about the injury earlier in the episode. You know, got to ask Santa for a, for a vacation. I mean, he, he could use it. Yeah, uh, I would I would basically say the same thing. I'd phrase it like a computer, hard reset. Um, yeah, you just there you go. need to be rebooted a little bit, recalibrated, get those angles right again. Uh, that's been a lot of his problem this year, and it's kind of explains some of the leaky problems he's been having. So, uh, you know, anything to kind of correct that, I, I think, is what's in order for uh, old Gru. Uh, Chris Drieger. Uh, a healthy knee, like an indestructible knee. Let's go with that. Just something that, you know, makes sure that he can get those injury problems behind him uh, because when healthy, he's looked great. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to say like a, a slightly better glove, like like maybe work in the glove he's got. Maybe he just hasn't had quite enough reps, but uh, he's made some fantastic glove saves, especially the last couple of games. But it's also been some some weird stuff going on. Either that or you know what? Just something to dampen his pads a little bit, like like soak his pads before it goes out there. I know it'll make him heavy and that's probably really uncomfortable <laughs> and terrible. But those rebounds. Absolutely brutal. <laughs> Yep. Sansa, grab his cookie, take the milk, and just pour it on Drieger's pads. Just pour it on Drieger's pads. Anything to kind of keep the puck from bouncing off them the way that they are right now. Um, All right, Carson Soucy. Hmm. I mean, well, given today's news, I don't know, just a clean bill of health. I don't know. Do you have any ideas, Dylan? Uh, I guess the more playing time. And I know that's (laughs) about to be a common theme on this 
for the defenseman on this list, but uh, I think Carson Soucy is has proven to be you know arguably the most reliable of those guys at the bottom of the depth chart that kind of get rotated through between him, Fleury, and Borgen. I think Soucy has been the one that has been the most consistent and the you know probably in that sense has earned it the most to just be a regular. And uh, so really for Carson Soucy, it's regular playing time and it's to be paired again with Jamie Alexiak because that pairing was awesome. Yes, certainly was. So that's, that's what I got for Carson Soucy. You got anything better for him? No, I, I think, I think, you know, that's a good idea. Let's the Alexiak pairing, I think was good. Just, yeah. or, or, I don't know, a little picture or something of Alexiak in the stocking. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Penny's brother. All right. Uh, Jamie Alexiak. Might as well just go right to him. What, what are you thinking for him? Uh, let's see. So what what can bring physicality? What can what can make him a little more physical and pushing? Uh, like you know, not not a punching bag, but like a like like know, one of those shoving bag. Yeah, one, one of those dummies that you like hit and they come back up like like Bozo yep. the clown or something. One of those. That that's not too bad. I think that would help with the physicality. Some I was trying to think of like what's a gift that can help him drive to the net a little better. But again, it's physicality. It's that's the only thing that keeps him from doing it more is he'll hit the the defenseman and then he'll just kind of go around the back of the net instead of just cutting up front. Uh, so yeah, uh, you know maybe it's a uh, it's some sort of MMA gym membership for Jamie Alexiak. Just just there getting used to I like that to that a little bit or, or wrestling like proper wrestling, not WWE stuff. Like proper <laughs> wrestling, learn how to use your body, use your size, lean into guys, all that good stuff. That's what I got for Jamie Alexiak. Jeremy Lazan. This is oh going to be boy. interesting. Uh, more guys to fight. He seemed like he was having a great time uh, in that Edmonton game after that fight. You know, he he certainly got the best of it against Colton Sevier and, you know, that big smile on his face. I'm just giving more guys to fight. Yeah. Uh, give him the, the, the MMA membership, gym membership. Yeah. <laughs> let him, let him go box guys. Let him go into the octagon a little bit and, and get some of that out and, you know, maybe then play a little bit more disciplined hockey at times. There is a time and a place. I do, you know, I like, as I was just saying in the previous segment, basically, right? Kraken need to be more physical, all that stuff. He's physical. Just, you know, got to pick and choose the times maybe a little better. Uh, Well, same guy that's had a problem with that a little bit when it comes to penalties, Adam Larson. What are we getting Adam Larson for Christmas? A deep V. Some more deep Vs. You know he loves those, uh, you know, and the media availabilities after game. He can rock it like no one else. So Mm -hmm. get him some deep Vs. You can't go wrong. Yeah, I, I'm going to say some power play time. I want to see Adam Larson like on the that. power play a little bit. I think that can help with the power play. I think he's, you know, he's really savvy. You're not going to have any shorthanded goals out there. Like, that's not going to happen if Adam Larson's the defenseman running the power play. Uh, I, you know, been saying for a while, I want a shot on the power play. I, I, that's what I want uh, Adam Larson to get this Christmas. Uh, Mark Giordano. Uh some some de-aging cream the, i don't know a little mini fountain of youth yeah i don't know what have you got yeah uh you know in so, some respects i do think a change of scenery like i know we've been mm. talking about it a lot but um i don't know it's it is rough obviously the age factor is becoming something of a problem uh i'm gonna go ahead and say you know a bionic shoulder let's let's quicken that wind up for those slap shots uh, it's pretty Ooh, slow. Good. Guys get into the shooting lane pretty quick. It's it's very telegraphed. Let's just you know, get some of the the Dan Marino magic into Mark Giordano's shoulders and get that thing you know a little peppier than it's been. Uh, Hayden Flurry. Oh man, um, 
I want to get him shooting more. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know. You can anything to get him shooting more. I was going to say skating lessons. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Like just, but like, like some proper, you know, okay. I haven't skated in a long time. I'm going to go back and I'm not in the beginner class. Cause I can, I could stand up on my skates, but I'm, you know, the advanced class where you're going to work on certainly crossovers, but backwards crossovers and all that stuff. Because as we talk about Hayden Fleury still looks like that kid that hit his growth spurt and never quite figured it out after that. And so, uh, for, for me, for Hayden Fleury, it's just some of that stuff. Because he will lose speed and momentum uh, with some of his transitions and stuff. So I think that would that would be good for him. That'd be good. See if the, the Kraken Community Iceplex is giving out gift cards or something you yeah. can use for skating. Yeah. That's a good idea. Uh, I know it's probably too harsh on that one. But it's, I don't know. It's all I can think of. Vince Dunn. This one's going to be, I mean, what do you get for Vince Dunn? I mean, you kind of mentioned earlier for Lars, but some first unit power play time. Yeah. Or some confidence. I don't want to sound like we're going to the Wizard of Oz here, but like, you know, just some, some confidence, some courage. You know, when he like, you know, when he's feeling confident, he's feeling good. You know, he he tries things. He does things. He's so creative. Um, you know, I just like to see that a little bit more from him. So maybe do that when you haven't like just scored a goal. So I don't know, <laughs> yes. a little more confidence. Yeah, that or something that's going to keep him from pinching up because like his decision making <laughs> when it comes to pinching up in the offensive zone is some of the worst I've ever seen. Uh, so I don't know, you know, maybe, I don't know, figure out something, some sort of like emergency plexiglass thing that shoots down when he goes to step up. <laughs> just, to, just to remind him to go the other way. His skates, I don't know, it's not really like a car. You can't lock up his tires, keep him from moving I don't, forward. You, you have a dog. I don't, is there anything you use? To well, that, I, like, I know there's like the electric, the electric fence kind of okay, thing, no, like the yeah, invisible fence get... thing, but I didn't want to go with like an ankle monitor. <laughs> I was trying to stay away from that, RJ, but uh, I'll bring enough, it up if enough. you make me. Uh, but just something something to use as a reminder for, you know, not pinch up as, as much. Uh, and finally, Will Borgen. This one's pretty obvious. Yeah. So, some NHL games. Some time in the lineup. Or at least, I don't know, some kind of, you know, comfy cushion for the for the press bridge chair. I That that would be, you know, <laughs> secondary. We, we don't want that. But, uh, yeah, some <laughs> NHL games. Yeah. All right. And now for the forwards. Alex Wenberg. And for me, I'm getting him all of his game film from Florida because that's the player. I think Rod Francis wanted to bring in. I think that's the most effective Wenberg has been in his career was what he was doing in Florida. And uh, I think, you know, it just needs to be reminded about that again. Started to see some hints of that in the Edmonton game played against McDavid very well. Back checking was there for some of it. Um, I was going to say for all, for most of it, but it's really there for this, the first period. But uh, I think that's what can get Wenberg back on track is, you know, if he plays like he played in Florida, I, I think, you know, everything's going to be solved. Yep. I was going to say a uh, VR headset, mm-hmm. you know, get, get one of those nice VR headsets. You put it on him and you can kind of have it directed at the net and it shows that his teammate is there like to pass it. <laughs> but it's actually going to the net to shoot it. That's a good one. That that could certainly come in handy. Um, are we, should I skip guys that are mostly AHLers that are only here right now for... Hmm, let's, I mean, who, who, gonna, who do we have? It, it, like Alex True is up next. Now True is playing okay, a decent amount of games. Let's... We could do True maybe. Okay, or I was gonna say let's let's get him, you know, kind of a group gift here since oh, okay. you know, there, there's a lot of. All right, so for I, Alex, the introduction True... to, for me, the reintroduction of a taxi squad. 
Yes, I was going to say, guys like Alex True, Max McCormick, Cole Linz uh, could all use that for sure. That's a that's an excellent gift. We already brought it up, and it is something I could see. I don't know if they could really put that in midseason, like being real for a second, you know, getting away from the Christmas fun right. stuff. I, I mean, they're not going to do that midseason, are they? They're not. They're not. Know. But uh, do you know? Okay, real quick. Do you know if on the taxi squad you get paid your you get paid the air NHL salary, right? Yes. yes. Okay, so that's huge. Because like, that's look at a guy huge. like Alex True. You know, NHL salary seven hundred fifty thousand. I think that's the minimum. I don't know what he's yeah. exactly, but like his minor salary is two hundred thousand. So you're talking about you know like yeah. a three four time boost in pay. So you know they yeah. could use that. Yeah, for sure. All right. So for those guys, taxi squad. That is the best thing we could get them. Turbo. Brandon Tanev, um, you know, conditioner. Keep yes. It, keep it good. Uh, Can't go wrong with that. You know. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the number one thing guys like us need is, is just lots of conditioner. Yep. Um, I don't know. May, maybe given the recent news, you know, a new ankle or knee, I'm sure there are thousands of Kraken fans who would willingly donate uh, their <laughs> own to get Turbo healthy. Yeah. Get him a commercial. Yes, <laughs> that's what I, that's really what we need. We need some <laughs> some ad stuff for for Tana. Jaden Schwartz, um, you know, again, kind of similar to Wenberg, just like game film from his time in St. Louis. Like, just be like, this is what you were. Where, where'd that guy go? Yeah, I, I you know I think <laughs> that probably help him out. Um, I don't know. I some kind of uh, let's see some something for like protection in front of that he kind of takes a beating you know going mm -hmm. to the going to those areas so uh, oh, let's see a suit of armor full suit of armor full suit of armor is good I was gonna think of like you know those big like blow up things that they stick people in for like intermission shows where then they like oh, run yes. at each other and like they just go flying uh, maybe like an emergency like version of one of those that he can just deploy once a game and just launch like a defender just, yeah. yeah. Just like an airbag, just launch a defender away and and have a couple seconds in front of them. That that would be pretty sweet for uh, Jaden Schwartz, Jared McCann. I mean, what do you, <laughs> what do you get the man who has everything? Who has everything? Yep. Oh man, yeah. He's he's been doing it all. I mean, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Some some let's see like a, a sh you know massage shoulder massage for carrying the team scoring. Oh my God. You know, on his back. Uh, I was I was gonna say uh, you know. Get him, get him some three on three time, so he doesn't have to deal with line mates. Because clearly, <laughs> clearly, he doesn't seem too keen on having to work around with line mates. So, uh, but I think you know any sort of three on five situation would be too rough. That might be a little out of his skill range. So yeah. I'm just gonna say, let's get lots of overtime games for Jared McCann here. JoJo, Marcus Johansson. This one's interesting. Um, hmm. I don't know. He feels like the kind of guy that you can get him anything and it's going to like be awesome. You know what I mean? Yes. No, he's going to love it. You know, it's going to work out like, yeah, just, I don't know. Get him you know, just some article, or whatever. Like, yeah, this looks great on me and it will. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. Not even his size, but like the fit just works. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It all, um, everything him anything. Like it's supposed to. Yeah. Before this Olympic stuff, you know, it went to nothing. Mm -hmm. I was going to say just like, if a bunch of NHLers back out, just like a, a spot on Team Sweden, if a bunch of guys don't go, but that's looking unlikely. Uh, no, I I think we get him a bed that looks like a big goalie crease, so you know <laughs> he feels nice and at Love home it. and relaxed, and he can just you know mm -hmm. chill out. Or maybe it's a couch, maybe mm -hmm. not a bed. Um, uh, I I think that's probably what Marcus Johansson wants. Cal Yarncroke. 
And for Kyle Yardcrook, I'm just going to say, a def- like, and maybe this exists inside the Kraken's room and it's just not obvious on the outside, but I'm just going to say a defined role on the team. <laughs> yes. Yeah, get some kind of little handbook that's just, you know, this is this is where you're at. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That, just, that's... Just, Since we can't go with last year's game film again. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, just just get him, give him a job and tell him what his job is and let him do his job. I, I think that's that's part of, you know, some of the issues he's having is like before he's had specific jobs. Like, okay, on the power play, your job is to do this. And mm-hmm. he goes out and he just does that. And that doesn't seem to be there for him on this Kraken team. So uh, I just want Kyle Yarncroke to, you know, have a have a job and and business cards have have a title on it or something exactly yanni gord so obviously to be you know not on the covid list but for yanni gord i mean uh you know maybe some whitening strips just keep that smile nice and nice and clean i like that that's that's a good idea i was i was going to a similar place um let's see what else what else could he use um I don't know. A, uh, I don't know. He, he gets a bunch of questions in French, but he, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, he handles that just fine. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does. So I don't know. Um, yeah, there's, I just think it's something, something for that smile because it, you know, again, something to protect the smile too. I'm trying to think, like yep. you know, an extra solid or a nice, piece. a nice ring case. He's got a couple newer rings. Yeah, although those come in pretty <laughs> nice cases to begin with. Fair enough. Are, oh, a display case. Yeah, yeah. A nice display case. Maybe shaped like uh, you know, a certain trophy, maybe. That'd be cool. There you go. Um Morgan Geeky. This is so okay. easy. Just a Pizza yeah. Hut. Give him a Pizza Hut franchise. A pe- well, I was gonna say a Pizza Hut location like in actual like near downtown Seattle and not a Pizza Hut Express that doesn't count. <laughs> like you have to go all the way up to Mount Lake Terrace to get like a real legit Pizza Hut. Like who's who's going all the way up there? It's even like further north than Northgate. Like, you know, why would he drive up there? So like a Pizza Hut location right by the practice facility or the arena, one of those two. Uh, but just one that's actually, you know, kind of accessible. All right. Well, while you're at it, make it his franchise. Yeah, there we go. Just give him the Pizza Hut, literally. (laughs) Homie, I am a franchisee. Exactly. It's perfect. Jordan Eberle. Um, I don't know. Jordan Eberle. I mean, the answer is just like more goals or whatever. But I'm trying to think like what would produce more goals for Jordan Eberle at this point. And I don't really know. Hmm. Got anything? Um. I don't know what, what what would help him out. I don't know because he's he's been doing actually okay on the power play recently too. I know, like he's he's been better on the power play than like he was last year, and you know for the Islanders and stuff. So it's it's just kind of funny. And imagine Dragons tickets. There you go. Like I, I'm trying <laughs> to think. Of, I'm trying to think of like other things about Jordan Everly. That's the first thing that popped up. I do know he's a big Magic Dragons fan. So get him some Magic Dragons tickets. Uh, get him get him going. You know, maybe just have a night. That's the only music played in the arena, just for Eberle. Oh man, and uh, Marissa from the Seattle Times would also like that. So the two exactly. of them could just be vibing out. There we go. Uh, Jonas Donskoy, it's, it's a goal. Give one a goal. goal, just one goal, just you, one. You pay off the goalie. Asking. Goalie steps aside. Defense stops. Donskoy gets his goal. You let them score the makeup goal like ten seconds later. You know, yeah. the goalie steps aside, even it out, so they'll agree mm-hmm. to it. One goal. Yep. 
goalie's not even on the ice so it doesn't hurt their stats like that's <laughs> a lot would go into it but yeah one of the more elaborate gifts but uh get Donskoy's goal because uh, once it happens then he's gonna just go score like crazy you won't need to give him any more yep ryan donato give him a contract some job yes, security that's... something he's never had before nhl's job security yep give him a, a contract or you know a a, a nice house in Seattle instead of, you know, just staying at, at a hotel or apartment, wherever he is, you know, a nice house and mm-hmm. a contract. Yep. For sure. Colin Blackwell. Uh, this is where you get to take advantage. And I know I did bring it up before, but the, the skating lessons with for Hayden flurry. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a two for one special and Blackwell gets to, <laughs> gets to go in too. Uh, Cause uh, I, I don't know what it is about that man, but he's just always falling down. Yep. And, Second unit power play time. That's that's what I think they should give him because I I just want to see it. I really want to see it. He was so good in the bumper roll there last season, um, mm-hmm. but I mean he needs to get back on the ice first. First things first. Yeah, first things first. But uh, but yeah, those are the things that definitely stand out as far as Blackwell. Got it. The season is moving along so fast. It feels like a million years since we've seen Colin Blackwell play a game. Mm-hmm. Finally, Mason Appleton, and for Mason Appleton. I'm just going to say some nice grooves in the ice that just take him to the net. You know he <laughs> wants to drive the net. That's what he's happiest doing. That's what he's doing in practice all the time. Just drive at the net hard. Just just give him a nice little alleyway. You know, like you'll you'll wax a bowling alley kind of, right? To, mm-hmm. to like kind of, you know, different ways so that you, you tell the ball where to go. Just do figure out the ice equivalent of that that's not dangerous and uh, do that. I know that's a lot to ask, but I think that's what Mason Appleton would want. Yep. So if I think if he's getting anything because... Uh, some of the Kraken players, I think it was um, Susie and Borgen that did this uh, gingerbread house building video. They just put mm-hmm. out today, so I only had the chance to like watch it recently. But they said, if anyone on the naughty list, it would be Mason Appleton. <laughs> so maybe he's getting coal. But um, if you get some, you know, get him something, a uh, like a little camping kit. It's got like a, a Swiss Army knife in it because, you know, you can be one of those versatile type players that fits for him. And a compass. To, so he can know which side of the ice he's supposed to be on, what position yeah. he's playing, can you know kind of keep his pathfinder there. Yeah, maybe a special spotlight that's a red and a green light, and so whenever he's out there on shifts and he goes away from where he's supposed to be, light, yeah. it just it just turns to to red, and he's like, oh, wrong side. I guess I'm a left wing today. Um, that's the answer for Vince Dunn. There, we solved it. You don't need some sort of weird plexiglass system. Just need a little light. Just the goal yep. light goes off and reminds him, oh, wait a second. <laughs> and those goal lights do go off on a bunch of occasions when the puck's not in. So you, maybe they are doing that. Yeah, maybe that's what that's all for. Uh, so that's that's kind of our, uh, our you know, kind of quick off-the-cuff thinking what what kind of gifts do the, you know every member of the Kraken need. Uh, I think that's a fun topic, and I really want to hear you know everybody's responses. So please tweet us you know, your ideas for any of these players, you've got a good one. I'm sure some of you guys can come up with some better stuff for these guys. Yeah, we were doing this pretty off did. the cuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We wanted to try to keep it as like live and honest and, and, you know, raw for everybody. Uh, but you know, if you're watching this on YouTube, the podcast, you know, leave us a comment about, about your thoughts for it. If you're uh, listening to it, uh, you know, Spotify, Apple music, Google podcast, anything like that, go ahead and tweet us, you know, your ideas. Uh, we'd, we'd love to hear them. Absolutely. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Emerald City Hockey Podcast. Of course, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Easy, easy 
peasy week ahead. Only one game for now, and that's that Arizona game on uh, Tuesday. So, you know, I, I was if looking. If that happens, uh, if it happens, I was looking forward to some of those other ones. Looking forward to Calgary. Looking forward to the Maple Leafs. But uh, you know, world has other plans, as it so often does for for most of us. Um, so yeah, that's gonna do it for us. Looking forward to that one. Looking forward to the little bit of a holiday break and just kind of seeing what happens around the NHL. It's certainly never a dull moment this right now. That's exciting. Yeah, lots going on always. Exactly. So thanks everybody so much for uh, listening. We will see you all next time.